Welcome to the SMC 2021 podcast. What if God wanted to do something new in your life? This is your fresh start. What is the number one indicator of whether or not a person will be walking with Jesus 10 years from now? No question in my mind. Who are your friends? Show me your friends and I will show you your faith. Hey, I'm Stephen Billings. I work with Stumo in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and we're going to be talking about friendships and how they affect our faith today. We're going to talk about fellowship, friendships, partners, pairs, and how that impacts our walk with God. Think about all the famous duos out there, spiritual, non-spiritual, you name it. Michael and Scotty. Would Michael be the second greatest basketball player of all time if he hadn't been paired with Scotty Pippen? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Without one, it's just not the same. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, if they aren't twins, would you know who they are? Probably not. The duo or the pair makes all the difference. And who would SpongeBob be without Patrick? And who would Patrick Starr be without SpongeBob? The friendship or the partnership makes all the difference. It's true, and it's always true. Well, I want to tell you guys about a not-so-famous friendship, actually from 250 years ago. There was a guy named Adoniram Judson, who was actually the first American missionary, the first American who moved overseas to a different culture to give his life to telling people about Jesus. What's crazy about Adoniram Judson is that his faith shifted with his friendships. For him, friendships made all the difference. And just like for us today, it was the number one indicator of his faith. He actually grew up a pastor's son. He claimed belief in the Bible and belief in Jesus. But when he got to Brown University in the Ivy League, as a 15-year-old, mind you, the guy was a genius. When he got there, he became friends with a guy named Jacob Eames. Jacob Eames was a deist. He believed that there was a God, but God was impersonal, and he sort of put the world into motion and then just let it run. Over time, Jacob influenced Adoniram Judson to the point to where he claimed he no longer believed the Bible and no longer had faith in Jesus. A friendship made all the difference. Well, well, over the years, eventually, he ended up spending his time with a different friend at a different university named Samuel Mills. And Samuel Mills shared a fellowship with Adoniram Judson as they talked about the Bible, as they talked about the life, Adoniram eventually claimed faith. How could this man... This pastor's son, who once claimed belief, his his faith was totally influenced in one direction by one man, and then he did a 180 and went in another direction with his faith and his beliefs, all because of his friendships. Why is that true? Because your faith is the number one indicator. Your excuse me, your friendships are the number one indicator of your faith, and really your future faith. It, it's not a, too extreme of a statement to say this. Your faith depends on your friendships. Now, notice I didn't say they depend a little bit or, or they're influent, your faith is influenced by your friendships. No, your faith depends on your friendships. This is a pretty extreme statement, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Here it is. You can't really even have a growing faith if it's on your own. You just can't. God set it up to where we are going to grow in friendships with other people. With Adoniram, his faith was completely dependent on his friends. Now, I don't know why 
But God set it up that way. And I've seen it to be true over and over. Think about your life. Have your friends influenced you toward or away from Jesus? Have you seen that in other people? Do friendships affect faith? I would guess you've seen it happen over and over and over. Now, one place the Bible talks about fellowship a lot is in the book of Acts. And I'm going to read a brief passage from Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. So listen along with me. You can read 42 through 47 with me if you'd like. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 44, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Well, the word fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia. And really one way you could define this is is through the word sharing. Fellowship is about sharing. People who are trying to follow Jesus, sharing in life together. Notice in that passage, if you're looking at it right now, all the things they shared. They shared food. They shared words. They shared life. They shared everything together. Fellowship is really about sharing. That word fellowship might get thrown around a lot in the Christian culture, but oftentimes it's misused or abused and not used in the right context. It's not about sharing intentionally. And really true fellowship always carries an intentionality of sharing faith and sharing those things together. Specifically, what we want to talk about in this podcast is is two things that fellowship is about sharing. Number one is words, words and actions. Number two is actions. Number one is words, and number two is actions. And and we want to look at three different kinds of words that are involved in fellowship. The first type of words are words of encouragement. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Your future faith is going to be determined by your friendships. And your friendships with other people following Jesus, that's our fellowship. We need certain types of words from each other. One of those types of words is encouragement, as we see there in the book of Hebrews. People following Jesus need to hear encouragement, and they need to give encouragement. When I first began to follow Jesus in college, there was a guy named Joe who was helping me grow spiritually a lot. And for me personally, I was not cool, but I thought I was cool. And I had a really hard time letting go of my image. In fact, Joe and another one of the guys who were helping me grow spiritually challenged me to share my faith. But I was afraid what I would look like in front of other people if I talked about Jesus. I had this ideal image in my head of who I was. It wasn't that cool, but I thought it was cool. And I I held that with a tight hand and I had a hard time letting it go. And I remember when I took steps to sacrifice my image. I'll never forget Joe telling me, hey, man, great job. I see the way you're sacrificing your image, and I'm proud of you. And it made all the difference in the world for me. Those words of encouragement were huge. And fellowship, our friendships based around Jesus, we always need to be bringing encouragement and receiving encouragement. That's the first type of words that fellowship is about sharing. The second type of words is words of correction. Listen to Proverbs 27.6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy enemy multiplies kisses. My worst enemies are going to tell me what I want to hear. A true friend is not going to be afraid to reach in 
and hurt me just a little bit with my words. Not, not to make me hurt, not just so that I suffer, but rather to help me grow. Everyone needs words of correction when they're trying to follow Jesus. We need people who will reach in and who will hurt us with their words. I, I remember when I first started following Jesus, there was a friend named Kevin. And, and he was trying to get me in the habit of reading my Bible daily. And I'd been doing it for a while. And I remember he came to me one day at a time where I was very undisciplined. I had really dropped my conviction for reading God's word on a regular basis. And he pulled me aside and he corrected me. And I'll never forget his words. He used scripture, Philippians chapter four, and he put these two things together. He talked about how we rejoice because the Lord is near and how I couldn't maximize my relationship in God. I couldn't rejoice in him because the Lord wasn't near to me, not because God didn't want to be near to me, but because I was not taking steps to be near to him. It hurt me, but I'll never forget Kevin's words. And I would say they changed the trajectory of my life. We need words of correction. True Fellowship shares words of correction, words of encouragement. And the third one is words of challenge. Words of challenge. If you've ever lifted weights, you know it's good to have a lifting partner, someone who is going to get get onto you and push you and say, come on, push that bar, squat up, you can do it. We need people in our lives when we're working out to challenge us, right? It keeps us going. It keeps us lifting. It keeps us exercising in the same way. We need people who will challenge us spiritually. In 2 Timothy 4, the apostle Paul is talking to a man he's helping grow spiritually, and his name is Timothy. And he says to him, he says, I give you this charge. Preach the word in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Keep your head in all situations. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4. You can go read it. But, he, but really, he gives him a pep talk. What does he give him? A challenge. Here's one man saying to another, you can do this. I challenge you to go out and share your faith. And for Timothy, I would imagine it made all the difference. True fellowship shares words, words of encouragement, words of correction, and words of challenge. Think about yourself for a second. Which, which of these three are the hardest to give? En encouragement, challenge, correction. Maybe you don't want to correct people. You feel invasive, but really people need that in their lives spiritually. Which are you the best at giving? Which are you the worst at giving? Are there any of these three that you have a hard time receiving? Maybe you're like me and um, someone challenges you, but you want it to be your idea. Well, God wants us to have people in our lives who bring us all three of these types of words. But fellowship isn't just about sharing words. It's also about sharing actions. It's about sharing actions together. There's a character that many people who've been around Church of the Bible have heard of named King David. And King David, most people know him from the story of when he was a young boy and he killed Goliath. He's one of the most famous Bible characters. Well, he had an incredible friendship or fellowship with a man named Jonathan. Jonathan's dad was a guy named Saul. He was actually the king of Israel. And they struck up a friendship. But here's what's so interesting the way that their friendship came to be. It's so interesting how their friendship came to be. Now, what you need to know about Jonathan is he was a, he was a ferocious warrior. He was fearless in ways. In fact, at one point in his life, um, before he knew David, he actually, the Bible talks about it in 2 Samuel chapter 14, where he was pinned down with a battalion of men by their enemies, the Philistines, and he risked his life, just him and his armor bearer, 
and slayed many, many Philistines. It risked his life to get his battalion out of a bad situation. Jonathan was a man who held his life and he put it in God's hands. He said, God, it's yours. If I die, I die. And so be it. And one day he sees David out on the battlefield kill Goliath. And what's so crazy is in 2 Samuel 18, as soon as David walks up with Goliath's head to the king, Jonathan sees him and it says these words, instantly he became one in spirit. But he didn't even know him. How could someone who doesn't know someone instantly become one in spirit? Because there's not many people out there who are willing to risk their life for God. And here was Jonathan. He saw someone like him in David and he said, this man is rare. This is my guy. I will be one in spirit. We will have a friendship and have a fellowship. You see, as, as, as you go through your life, through your college experience, after you graduate into your work experience, into your family experience, what you'll realize is very few people will truly follow Jesus. Even fewer will sacrifice and, and make disciples and tell other people about him and multiply their life. And when you find those people, just like Jonathan found David, you've got to grab on. You must hold on. Here, These were two guys that, that shared in life together. It says as they shared in actions together, they brought, they strengthened each other as the in the Lord is a phrase the book 2 Samuel uses on several occasions. They strengthened each other in the Lord as they went out and lived for Jesus together. We should be taking actions together with other believers. Check out this quote by C.S. Lewis. It says this, Friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, What? You too? I thought no one but myself. You see, just like C.S. Lewis knew, the best friendships will always be centered around following Jesus and taking action together. David and Jonathan were two very different people. David was a shepherd, Jonathan a prince. Jonathan had his own armor bearer. David had a harp and a slingshot. Jonathan grew up in a palace, was trained in war. David grew up in the little town of Bethlehem, was trained to be a shepherd. Jonathan was the oldest son in line to inherit the throne. David was the youngest of eight boys. Jonathan was of the tribe of Benjamin, David, David from Judah. Despite their differences, they were arguably the best friends the world has ever known. They were men that took action together. Here's some of the actions different men did with me to help me grow in my faith in the act of fellowship. Joe prayed with me. I can remember taking prayer walks with Joe across campus. I didn't know what a prayer walk was. I never walked and prayed. He taught me that. Some other actions. He, he read the Bible with me. I can remember reading 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to this day with Joe. I can tell you where I was because of the impact it had on me. He, he invited me to, to eat with him. He took me to his parents' lake house. We were true friends, and he shared an intentionality of spiritual actions together, sharing in your life together. We served the poor together. We rang the Salvation Army bell together. We did life, and we did our spiritual lives together. You know, there are really three types of relationships that we need in terms of fellowship. And I want to tell you about those. The first one is a Paul relationship. And this is sort of an upward relationship, okay? Somebody who is helping you grow. Uh, Paul was an apostle and he he helped different people in the Bible. He planted different churches. He discipled different men. And he was a spiritual leader. Um, Paul, uh, speaking to Timothy, one of his disciples in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, he says, you however know all about... And then he gives this long list, my teaching, my way of life, faith, patience, endurance. 
He talks about the persecutions he endured in different cities. Now, how did Timothy know all those things about Paul? Because they spent so much time together. They did ministry together. They shared action together. They took missionary trips together. It was a true friendship. Now, everybody needs a Paul relationship, someone above them who is helping them grow. And I would encourage you, go out of your way, find somebody. It's probably your most important spiritual relationship that you can have. Another relationship we need to have is really the lateral or sideways relationship, what we call a Barnabas relationship. Barnabas was a peer of a guy like Paul. He traveled. He, he went on missionary journeys together. These are friends who are about in the same place spiritually. They're on mission together like David and Jonathan were. It's not one helping the other grow, but they're peers, and they're helping each other grow. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. It says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Having that partner as you begin to try to live your college life and avoid sin, maybe for you it's avoiding sexual sin or avoiding certain party sins, you need someone who's going to fight against sin with you. As you begin to try to share your faith and multiply your life, you need someone who's going to go on that journey with you. We all need a partner in that. We need the Paul relationship. We need the Barnabas relationship. And, and everyone should have a Timothy relationship. Someone who is, so to speak, below them. Someone who they're helping grow. They're not below them spiritually, but rather they're younger in their faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says this to Timothy, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach other, others. Paul is, is saying, Timothy, I'm multiplying my life into you. You're my son in the faith. And we all should have sons and daughters in their faith. So, so where are you with these relationships? Do you have Barnabas relationship in your life? Do you have a Paul relationship? What about a Timothy? I know I've spent a lot of time praying different seasons of my life. God, would you bring me a Barnabas? Would you bring me a Timothy? Would you bring me a Paul? A Paul? They're such crucial relationships. Now, especially when it comes to a Paul relationship, but really a Barnabas relationship, I want to give you guys a few things to look for. You don't just want anyone who claims Jesus, right? We want to be their friend. But when it comes to our inner circle, we want to have people who um, are really pursuing the Lord. Here's a couple things to think through. Are they teachable and humble? In other words, do they submit to other people? We want to have close relationships of fellowship with people who submit to others. Do you see sacrifice for Jesus in their life? Can you point to places they are sacrificing for the Lord? You want to see that. Do they know God's word, especially in a Paul relationship? You want somebody who knows his word well, who speaks it. It seems to just come out of them. Do they multiply their life? I always ask people questions. Hey, who have you multiplied your life into? Who have you led to the Lord? They push me to find strength in God just like Saul and Jonathan found with one another. Well, what I want to end with is this, just a simple exercise. The law of the inner circle, okay? The law of the inner circle says this, your potential is determined by those around you. Your friends will determine your future. Your future. Really, this is based off Proverbs 13, 20. It's another way of just saying the same thing, but the law of the inner circle is that your potential is determined by those around you. So here's the exercise. Grab a pen and a piece of paper 
and draw three concentric circles, one small circle, a circle around the first one, and then a third circle around the first two. Okay, you have three concentric circles. Now, I like to think of my friendships in three levels here. I have an inner circle of three to five men or women who are my closest friends, my Barnabas and Paul relationships, could be a Timothy relationship as well, but, but these are the men in my life who I'm closest to. I, I go to them for counsel. When things are hard, I go to them. I'm accountable to them. I try to share my sins with them. And for me, I have a few names in there. A guy named Jake, a guy named Joe, a guy named Sean, a guy named Clark. And these are the men I go to. Then I have a second level, okay? Now, I probably want people who are pursuing Jesus in my second level of friendships, and, and that's what I have, four or five names. But I want to be careful, it, you know, in my inner ring, my closest friends, not necessarily just where I spend my time, but but where I go for counsel and for advice, I want those people to be pursuing Jesus just as or harder than I am, because that's going to help me grow. That's going to determine my future. Of course, I have a third ring. Some of these friends in my life are followers of Jesus. Some are not followers of Jesus. Obviously, they're not people who are living terrible lives or going to completely drag me away from the Lord, but some of them are not pursuing Jesus, and they're good friends. They're coworkers, things like that. And I have these different levels of relationship. And as we end today, maybe just take a look at that and think to yourself, okay, is there anybody I need to move into the inner circle? Is there a man or woman on your campus, in your fraternity or sorority or in your dorm? You go, this man knows Jesus. I got to bring him in. I got to ask him if I can get him in on the inner circle. Now, don't use this exercise and go fire a friend because they're not following Jesus. That's not what the Lord wants. He wants you to be friends with him. This, you're not having a friendship breakup conversation, but you are using this diagram to look and go, hey, who do I need to pull into my inner circle? Is there a negative relationship? I maybe need to push out a ring because they're bringing me down spiritually. What's the most important indicator of whether someone will be walking with Jesus in 10 years? No question in my mind. It's their friends. Show me your friends and I will show you your future faith. Just like Adoniram Judson, your faith depends on your friendships. Hey, enjoyed talking about faith and friendships. Be sure to check out all the other breakouts on Apple and Spotify from SMC 2021. And I hope you guys have a great year.